Hello, I'm Stephen Groom. Welcome to Let God Speak. This week's lesson is about waiting while in the crucible. And there we have a choice. The temptation is to attempt to work things out for ourselves and mess things up like we are prone to do. Or we can wait patiently for God to act, who will work things out perfectly and in his own time. All this is in the context of waiting while in the crucible. Please join us for this important study. On our panel today, we have Lena Yoon and Blair Lemke. Hello, Lena. Hello, Hi. Blair. Good to be here. Welcome. Before we begin, let us pray for God to bless. Dear Lord, please help us to understand more clearly the lessons we need to learn about waiting patiently for God to work on our behalf while we are in the crucible. Amen. Mm. Amen. Amen. Let us begin with a general question of what does the Hebrew language tell us or does it give us any clues about um, what it means to wait with patience while in the crucible, Blair? Yeah, absolutely. You know, when we do look at the original language, we often find a greater depth to, you know, what, uh, to understanding the text. And when we, there's no, no um, difference in this situation. When we look at the word that's often translated for waiting patiently, uh, the, the, that word can be directly translated. And let me read you some of the, the translations that it can be put as. To be much pained, to shake, to tremble, to be wounded, to be sorrowful. Uh, what sort of a picture does this paint about waiting patiently? Certainly, it seems that waiting patiently can be a painful experience. Yes. Uh, and I think per perhaps we could, in our own yeah. experience, relate to that. Yeah. Uh, because we often want to do things in our own time, in our own way, and waiting can be a, a difficult thing. Thank you for that. Now, let us go to more specific examples of waiting while in the crucible in uh, the stories. Let us begin with the story of Elijah in 1 Kings 18 and 19. Elijah had just won a major victory over all the priests of Baal in 1 Kings 18 and won the people to worship the true God of Israel in that victory. But when threatened by one wo woman, the wicked Queen Jezebel, um, did he wait on the Lord for directions, uh, Lena? No, he didn't. So apparently out of fear, he just fled for his life. So apparently he uh, firstly, you know, went for um, journeys, travel, meaning that probably day and night he just exhausted himself to run away and then eventually got to the point where he was terribly depressed. And then along the way and again, 40 nights and 40 days journey in Horeb and, and eventually he ended up in a cave. Mm. Then we look at um, Genesis 19:9. God says, hey, Elijah, what are you doing here? You know. That was First Kings 19. Sorry, the First Kings, yes, 99. Um, so God said, what are you doing here? So basically, um, instead of uh, having full trust in the Lord that he will protect him, then he just wanted to take this mm. matter in, you know, in his own hands. So that's why he ended up in the wrong place. Quite a human response, really, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, true. After s such a powerful intervention by the Lord on Mount Carmel, Elijah should have been full of faith and trust, but instead um, he ran for his life. 
Uh, what lesson can we learn from this example of of impatience, Blair, mm. which is the opposite of waiting patiently is impatience. That's right. Yeah. yeah, look, this story illustrates some very important truths. And I guess, uh, you know, when we rush, when we try to take things into our own hands, which we are apt to do, we are, yeah. uh, <laughs> then often or always that works out worse than if we trusted in God and waited in his timing. And we can see this with Elijah, um, you know, in his case, it was fear that caused him to be overwhelmed, to rush out into the desert and wishing he'd never been born. Um, but, you know, we, we're called to wait patiently on the Lord and to trust in his timing. And, and unfortunately, in this case, this bad example, uh, Elijah didn't do that. Yeah, thanks for that. As well as this bad example of not waiting on the Lord in uh, Elijah's singular um, instance, there are other bad examples of evils that can come upon us if we don't wait on the Lord. Let us look at a few. What happened in Genesis 16, Lena? Yeah, what happened in Genesis 16 is that there, um, Abraham and Sarah, instead of waiting patiently uh, that God would provide you know, um, a son for them, Right. But they wanted to take this matter again in their own hands. So basically they took uh, their handmaid, Hagar, and they threw her and they actually Ishmael was born. So obviously, um, you know, if well, that also caused a lot of friction and within the family and also other problems as well down the track, even after Isaac was born. So basically, again, waiting patiently in God's timing. And apparently they actually they failed in that regard. Yes. So they had been promised, you know, that Abraham's offspring would be as the sand of the sea. But Mm. they tried to fulfill that Mm. in their own way impatiently, whereas instead of letting God work it out. And look at the problems we have today, the Mm. problem between Mm. the Arabs and the Israelites um, to this day. And so let us continue with another example of Samson um, in the book of Judges. What, what does Samson's impatience have an effect on him? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Samson, uh, well, there's many instances we could look at, but certainly one of the initial ones we see in Samson's life is that he was very enamored by the, the Philistine women, yes. <laughs> which was his, the result of his downfall in many ways. But he, instead of waiting patiently on the Lord, to provide him a woman from within the, the people that God had called them to marry within. Uh, he took matters into his own hands. There's a theme here. <laughs> uh, yes. We can see, you know, this pattern coming through. And he thought that he would deal with it himself and, and find a, a woman from the other nations. And of course, this ultimately led to harlotry, um, to, then to Delilah and um, uh, the betrayal that he experienced, the loss of his hair, his eyesight, his strength and ultimately his life. That's a very important point, isn't it? Um, what could it could cost you your life in, in not waiting for the Lord to work? Um, coming forward to the New Testament, we have the example of um, Jesus uh, disciples with Jesus, and they come to a Samaritan village, and they didn't accept Jesus because he looked to go further. Um, what was the disciples' response, and what did that tell us about their lack of patience, Lena? Yeah, so we can um, look at um, Luke 9, 52 and 56, actually where we can find when the Samaritan people of a village didn't receive them. Actually, James and John um, asked Jesus 
that um, you know they should command the fire from heaven you know, to come down and to consume them. So obviously, and Jesus um, looked and, and rebuked them, and he said, "Ye know not what manner of spirit ye are of." And he goes a bit further as well, and he said, "For the Son of Man is not come to destroy man's lives, but to save them." You know, in verse fifty-six. So basically, Jesus died for our sins for all of us. You know, um, in this on this earth. So it's not just for you know those who believe in Jesus, but also for those who actually haven't you know believed in the Lord, but again you know they still have a chance to repent. Mm. And so we, we as believers should have a lot of patience sure. towards those who don't believe and don't respond positively to the gospel. Is that mm -hmm. right? Yes. Um, what can we learn from these examples and other examples we don't have time to look at mm. in the Bible, Blair? Look, it's very easy for us as humans to let our human emotions take over in any given situation. Um, things like ambition, anger, fear, lack of faith, even supposed zeal mm -hmm. for God and his cause can cause us to try to rush ahead and do things in our own way and in our own timing. And I think uh, the lesson of many of these stories is that that doesn't end well. Yes. Thank you for that. And uh, let us go to the positive attributes of people who wait. And one um, good object lesson was David. Um, in 1 Samuel 16, 1 to 13, a young David was anointed by Samuel to be the future king of Israel. Did he take the throne soon after he was anointed, Lena? No, he didn't. Apparently, from the time when he was anointed till that he took the throne, um, it took a long, long time. It was a quite a bit of journey for him. And probably he might have felt that he was in the midst of the, you know, the crucible himself. And um, again, you know, he actually went through a lot of episodes, but, you know, and I can just, you know, give you a couple of examples. As a young lad and he uh, is called to calm or soothe, um, you know, the king's souls, distress the soul and play music and things like that. And also, um, you know, he becomes a hero in Israel, you know, by killing the, the giant Goliath. Mm. And then um, again, you know, he really was, ch you know, chased by the king's soul a lot, you know, to take his life. And all these, uh, you know, through all these experiences, yet he actually did, didn't uh, actually um, have despair or didn't get discouraged and he kept going and he actually waited patiently in his time that he would be able to take the throne eventually in his in God's right time. Yes, I just wonder if myself, if I would be impatient during all this, this crucible that he was going through. Sure. But he obviously waited patiently. In fact, in 1 Samuel chapter 24, verses 5 to 7 and 26, 7 to 11, David has two opportunities while he's been actually chased by King Saul who wanted to kill him, he had two opportunities to, to take revenge on the king and kill him himself. Um, he, he could have advanced his cause and become king, but he didn't do this, did he, Blair? Why is that? No, he didn't. And um, I, the answer is in Scripture here in 1 Samuel 24, verse 10. Uh, we find Scripture says, Behold, this is David speaking, I will not stretch out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. So David had learned the lesson of waiting in God's timing. David knew that he had been anointed and that in God's timing he would become king, but he wasn't going to rush ahead and 
try to p- take things into his own hands, yep. uh, he'd learnt the amazing lesson at this point uh, of waiting in God's timing and trusting that God would bring about what he had promised to bring about. And I think this is one of the reasons why he was a man after God's own heart, the scripture tell us, because he had this uh, ability to wait on the Lord. Um, and it's likely as well that he had knew of stories, you know, of, um, of Jacob who had deceived um, Israel, oh, Israel, uh, Esau, and, and had tried to, you know, obviously almost lost his life for this. And so he's probably learnt some of these lessons of Scripture, which we too can learn lessons as we look at Scripture. In fact, it's an amazing st- uh, study waiting on the Lord that many people, including myself, have missed by until we, we look at the Bible carefully and we see these lessons. Mm. So what important lesson about waiting on the Lord can we learn from David's story about his experience with King Saul, Lena? Any more things you can draw out from his stories? Yeah, I can, but you know, waiting patiently on the Lord. But not only that, you know, what we can learn from the King David's experience of having to wait so long is that, you know, quite often times you try to obtain the things actually that even have been promised by God, you know, on our own, right? Rather than waiting for uh, the, you know, right, you know, right timing. God's right timing, I mean. And so even that means that it may require a lot of a lot of waiting or even, you know, we have to go through even some difficult times or even tribulations or persecutions. So, Yeah, thank you about that. And um, David had also written a lot of the Psalms, didn't he, mm. Blair? And he wrote um, a significant Psalm on waiting in Psalms 27, And verse 14, I'll just read that for you. 27 and verse 14, it says, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Um, What does this psalm say about waiting? Mm. Can you tell us? Yeah, well, we're given some positive results of what it, what will come when we do wait on the Lord. And so it says there, if you wait on the Lord, uh, he will strengthen your heart. And so as we learn to trust in God's timing and wait on the Lord, he will actually use this as an experience to deepen our faith and our trust in him. If we, uh, as we see his word fulfilled, as he said it would. Uh, So it's quite a faith building experience, you could say. Yeah. And he also gives another command with that in the text. He says, be of good courage. So not only do we have to wait on the Lord, we have to add the courage with it because it's almost implying there that waiting involves a crucible. You know, we may be tested while we're waiting to to, the devil wants us to respond ourselves instead of waiting, doesn't he? Mm -hmm. Now let us go to Psalms 37. The context of this psalm is about how having an attitude of waiting for God to act against wicked persons instead of taking matters into your own hand. What does David counsel us in the first two verses of Psalms 37? If you'd like to read some of the relevant. Yeah, sure. So Psalms 37 verse 1, it says, Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. Basically, this verse uh, tells us that... um, you know, we should not really, you know, get uh, frustrated or, you know, be, um, you know, angry or upset about, you know, their, um, you know, 
actions, evildoers' actions. And then verse 2 goes, For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Apparently, it tells us why and also and how it will be dealt with by God. So basically, it's not our own business or matter to deal with, um, you know, judgment of the wicked because God in his own time, he will deal with it. Yeah, that's important to, I mean, it shows faith in a person to that knowing that a per, God will deal with it in his own time. We have to yeah. have faith that that will happen. And I think secondly, that we have to have a little bit of grace towards these people, knowing the terror of the Lord if they don't repent eventually. Mm. Now we need to have patience and, and actually feel sorry for the wicked, sure. do you think, instead of hating them. Um, and in verse 3, what attitude does David advise us to have while we are waiting to for the Lord to act against surrounding evildoers. Let's have a read of it here. Uh, Psalm 37 verse 3 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. So the posture or the attitude that we see uh, that David calls us to in this psalm is one of trust. Trust in God. Trust in him. And as we do so, uh, again, you see that um, that uh, promise on the second half of that verse there that you'll dwell in the land, you'll feed on his faithfulness. I love that feed on his faithfulness. Yeah. Um, you know, when we trust in the Lord, we will not be disappointed. Yeah. If we trust in him, we will feed on his faithfulness. It might not always look the way that we expect it to look. It might not be in the timing that we may wish it would be in. Yes. But the promise is sure. We will feed on his faithfulness if we trust in him. Yes. And also this where it says do good. And another place Jesus said, um, do good to the to your enemies. Yes. I mean, so not only are we to trust in God, but we're to good to those who despitefully use us. Yeah, it's not easy to do. (laughs) No, Um, it's probably one of the hardest things I think I've had to do, but it's probably impossible without the spirit of the Lord. And even that is an act of trust and faith in God that God knows better than us. And even when we don't want to treat someone in a certain way, uh, God's way is always best. It goes against the natural human nature, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Let's continuing in that psalm in verse four. It says, I'll read that. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Here we have a a command and we have a promise if you do that. What does it mean to delight yourself in the Lord in relation to waiting on the Lord, Lena? Yeah, basically what this verse 4 says is that if we um, obey and choose actually, uh, and I love what God loves. In other words, if we follow the ways of God and the principles of God and the law of God, then um, here God promised that, you know, he shall give us the desires of our hearts. Basically, literally uh, desires means petitions of our heart. So it is, again, is our own choice and action to choose to be on the side of the Lord. Basically, it requires a lot of faith and a complete and full trust in the Lord, no matter you know, what circumstances we are in, what sort of things and what difficult situations or you know, things that we are going through, even in the point of you know, where we are have, you know, having, you know, going through persecutions and things like that. So 
apparently without being tried, we can never actually develop, you know, full trust in the Lord, you know. Then uh, after we are tried, then we can come forth as a gold, you know, like, um, you know, we can shine through. Um, so basically, when we can learn how to do these things, you know, God promised that we will really receive what actually our hearts long for in He, in God's right timing. Mm. Yeah, just to respond to that as well, I think, you know, that promise there, as we delight ourselves in the Lord, He'll give us the desires of our hearts. What I don't think that's saying is that, you know, God will start, if we want a Ferrari, God will start giving us Ferraris and, you know, these sorts of things that we have in our hearts. I think what God's communicating here is that as we delight ourselves in the Lord, as we trust in Him, He will so move in our lives that He changes our desires to be the things that He desires. So a converted person, they wouldn't really want a Ferrari, would they? They most want to become like Christ. <laughs> Absolutely. Sure. And as as we journey with God, as the Holy Spirit works in our lives and conforms us into the image of the Son, then we will desire the things that God desires. And so God will give God will have joy to give us the desires of our hearts yes. because they align with his desires because of what he's doing in our lives. And that's most important, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. He wants to create in us his own character. And so how, how much more valuable is that than a Ferrari or some other <laughs> trivial thing? You know, oh, we use that example, but you, you yeah. understand. Well, the, the pleasures of, of this life are just for a season, but we Absolutely. need to prepare for eternity, don't we? And that's Absolutely. most important. Yeah. Continuing in that same Psalm 37, I will go to verse five. Verse five says, commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. So what what a valuable lesson does this attitude um, have that tells us while we are waiting? Well, God gives a command. He says, commit your way to the Lord. Uh, and this, this word here, commit your way, literally means roll your way. So these burdens of life, the things that we uh, go through are often burdens too heavy to carry ourselves. Yep. And so God's command here is to, to roll those burdens onto him. Give your, your, commit your way to the Lord, roll your burdens onto the Lord uh, and trust in him. Again, this theme of trust coming out again yeah. uh, and he will bring it to pass. God's word will be sure. The, the word trust is used so often because it, we naturally don't trust him. I can't That's stress right. enough mm-hmm. yeah. how often we just tend to want to live our life, you know, the famous, uh, the famous missionary David Livingston said that this verse here was the verse that sustained him at every turn uh, as he went through his missionary experience. Mm. Um, so quite a... In Africa. Absolutely. Africa and England as well. And also in England. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for that. And also, I'd just like to bring your point, uh, an important point in verse five, your way. The term your way means your life, your, the way you live your life. Mm. So whenever you read that, it's a very common statement, both in Old and New Testament. The way or your way means the way you live your life. Yep. Let's go to verse 7, shall we? We'll skip a verse. Um, no, I'll read it. Verses 6 and 7. It says, He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light, he being God there, verse mm-hmm. 7, um, and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Mm. So what can we learn about waiting in these verses? 
Well, especially verse 7, Lena. Yeah, sure. So basically, uh, this verse uh, talks about, you know, when we observe wicked actually having prosperity and being prosperous, then we may not really feel good about that, not, you know, feel a bit uneasy about it. But God says to us, but rest in the Lord, right? Here, literally, rest means be silent. So basically, if we could but keep silent or, you know, um, while we should hear in the stillness uh, um, and also, you know, in a small voice that God actually is speaking to us, which is very, very difficult because just like Elijah, he was able to actually achieve, you know, tremendous uh, thing. But apparently after that, he was unable to hear the small voice of God. So which is really, really important lesson for each one of us. And also the other important point is that also we should be patient towards the wicked because they still they have a probationary time to yes. repent. And you mentioned about Elijah. It wasn't until he stopped and he was in the cave and he sure. was resting you yes. know, from all that traveling yes. that he heard that still small voice, voice. Yes. from the Holy Spirit. What are you doing here, Elijah? Mm. So when we rest in the Lord, we give the time for for him to catch up to us and speak to us. Mm. Let us move to the New Testament book of Romans. How does Paul counsel his readers to wait in Romans chapter 5, verses 3 to 5? Blake? Yeah, well, let me just read the text here. It says, um, not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And so we see that Paul instructs to wait with perseverance. So, and there's a, there's a process there, isn't it? Absolutely. This uh, uh, produces this. Tribulation producing an experience of uh, patient perseverance in our life, which results in a character developing experience, and then uh, ultimately leading to the hope that does not disappoint, Scripture yes. says. And, and so when we respond impatiently, we basically fail a test. And mm. then God has to bring us around to the same sort of... We miss testing. a character development opportunity that can lead to mm. hope and change in our lives. How many times have, have we failed this test without realizing we're in the text? Mm. Um, Romans 5, 6, uh, moving on, states that while we were weak in due time, or at the right time, Christ died on behalf of sinners. What does this tell us about God's timing in our waiting for our salvation from the world of sin, Lena? Yeah, in a similar way, when we look at Galatians 4, 4, but when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son. So through Earth's history, actually, you know, people try to um, come up with the remedies for sin and death, but that was not really successful. So in the right due time, God sent his own son to save us and restore us, you know, in his own image from sin and death. Thank you, Lena. Thank you, Blair. That's mm -hmm. all we have time for. When we attempt to fix things up, when we are in the crucible, we just mess things up. However, when we wait for the Lord to work, we show that we trust the one for whom we are waiting for. His timing is perfect and calculated to save as many people as possible, including ourselves. So when you are in the crucible, do you trust Jesus enough to let him work things out in his own perfect timing instead of taking control yourself? You may not have done so in the past, but you can choose to do so from now on. This is my prayer for you. We are glad you joined us today on Let God Speak. 
If you want to watch this or any of the past programs, they can be found on our website, 3abnaustralia.org.au. If you wish to respond, send an email to us on lgs at 3abnaustralia.org.au. Do join us again. God bless. Thank you. You have been listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television. To catch up on past programs, please visit 3abnaustralia.org.au. Call us in Australia on 02 4973 3456 or email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you.